morning we read from the Gospel of Mark, and we are one digit short this morning. We are reading from Mark 11, 1 through 11. Not Mark 1, 1 through 11, but with all those ones, you know, we'll get there. We read from Mark chapter 11, the story of Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. When they were approaching, approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found the colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told them that Jesus had said that they were allowed to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead of, um, and those who went ahead, and those who followed were shouting, "Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David! Hosanna in the highest heaven!" Then, then he entered Jerusalem, and he went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I forget who among us are the English literature teachers, but this is a confession. I don't remember as much from Charles Dickens' classic, A Tale of Two Cities. I don't, as, don't remember as much as I should. And if you're nodding your head, then I'm going to suggest you are in good company and we will keep one another's secrets. We do remember the first line of that book, though, don't we? It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Again, we remember that. You're in good company. The book con- continues. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was an age of wisdom. It was an age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was a season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was a spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that Some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good, for evil, in the superlative degree of comparison only. That is quite a sentence. I'm happy to borrow it because I could not write it. And again, I don't remember very much about books, so I am not quite sure what they're talking about, except, you know, it's set during the 1780s and the French Revolution. And two things were, or things were good and bad all at once. And in a way, that is the reality of Palm Sunday. It's the reality of Holy Week. 
We look into our gospel reading and story and we see that in reality, on Palm Sunday, we celebrate the best of times. But we do foresee the difficulties that are to come. We celebrate today, but the, the celebration is, is, is veiled because of what's coming in the days ahead. Yes, Jesus is the King who has come. The people get that right. But Jesus is prepared for a week that His followers could not have imagined. They don't realize today that as they're laying down their cloaks and waving their branches, that in a few days they're going to be hiding in the crowd who is hollering, Give us Barabbas. Holy Week is an amazing week. It is the most important week of our faith. But it's also the best of times and the worst of times. It was the best of times. If you read through the straight read straight through the gospel accounts, which what you see and what you can tell by the time you get to this point in the story is that things have built they're moving and changing and growing. And, and, and the people around Jesus could tell that this trip to Jerusalem was going to be different. We don't know if the religious leaders could see it coming, but they were certainly ready for it. But the disciples had a sense that something was up. They didn't get a cult the last time they entered for the Passover. They were on to something. They were ready for some action. They were happy to be participants in the narrative that was playing out. Jesus' followers from the countryside, his disciples, they, they believed God was going to bring them a new king from the line of David, who would, in the words of Jeremiah, make a covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. They remembered that he was going to put the law within them and write it on their hearts. But they didn't quite know what that meant. They were looking for it. And so they recognized these prophecies that are coming about as he enters into the city as a king. But they didn't understand what a covenant of the heart would lead to or lead through. They were still thinking this was going to be overtly religious and political. They didn't realize how much their actions would press the religious authorities and cause things to happen. They just knew that on that colt they saw their king. So they laid their cloaks down and they grabbed the branches and they made it special and they were ready for him to come in. Jesus was the Messiah they had been waiting for. They were so happy and it was the best of times. But it was headed towards the worst of times, wasn't it? Oh, I'm sure you've been in a situation in life where someone told you, good news, bad news. Any of you parents of high school seniors gotten one of those letters lately? Congratulations, welcome to university. Here's your tuition bill. It's good news and bad news, I know. And as we turn to Palm Sunday, it's the best of times for the disciples. But they don't quite yet know how it will be the worst of times. 
Holy Week will catch them blindly. And like a coin with two sides, it's not going to end on heads every time this week. I trust you remember your scriptures enough to remember that Jesus is going to cleanse the temple next. He scoped it out and he'll go back. He's going to upset the religious authorities who, during Passover and during times of atonement, profiteer from the faithful pilgrims who travel to Jerusalem and need perfect little sacrifices. In one of the Gospels, he curses a fig tree. Over and over, he gathers his disciples. He strangely washes their feet and shares a meal with them. And when the evening ends, he tells them that He's going to be betrayed. Judas slips out to make his bargain with the authorities. Peter promises he won't deny, only to do it three times. And all of the other disciples either promise they will stay faithful and don't, or don't realize how hard it will be to remain faithful as they watch Jesus. As they watch him move from a procession of palms through interactions with authority all the way to the upper room and into the garden, they think they're with him. They don't know that the worst of times are coming. So they're only looking for the healings and the miracles. They fall asleep in the garden, they end up hiding in the crowd. And everyone else is chanting, give us Barabbas, and no one is there to be seen. Today, Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem as the king who has come. It's exciting to be a part of it, but it won't be long until the time changes. And those palm-waving, cloak-laying disciples will be hidden in plain sight. And it will feel like the worst of times. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. There, there is triumph and tragedy built into the Palm Sunday story. That's the nature of this day. That's the nature of this week. And 2,000 years later, we still wrestle with it, which is how this is us. Oh, I know at least one person this morning recognized the title. This is us from the TV show, but I know less about the TV show than I do the Dickens classic. So forgive me, but, but what I do see that is that on Palm Sunday, we're here in this story somewhere. This is us. And so we have to put a, a face onto our faithfulness, onto our spiritual lives, and at times acknowledge that just as the disciples behaved, so too do we. And it's only when we come face to face with our place in the worst of times, that we can later embrace what will become the best of times. Jesus enters Jerusalem as the Messiah, so we gather for the processional. But when we consider how we will arrange our life and our days, will we follow him to the upper room? Will we be in the crowd on Friday? I don't think any of us will be chanting, give us Barabbas, but if we're nowhere to be seen, are we any different? When we consider ourselves faithful, but fail to engage in faithfulness with the body of Christ, are we not just running scared like the disciples?
when we only see what we want to see, when we only attend to our relationship with God when it's convenient for us, and when we are happy to talk about the blessing God has given us, but truly fail to give back to His kingdom. This is still us. We see that the crowd disappears, and this is us, and we are there too, hiding among them, and we're not better than the the disciples. We wouldn't have gotten it right because we still don't. We're just as in need of salvation and resurrection as everyone else because we say we won't betray, but we still do. We promise not to fall asleep, but we nod off. We fall short. We fall short. But when we acknowledge it, when we come face to face with our shortcomings, that's when we have the chance to embrace the love of God even more. That's when we begin to be opened up to the reality that Holy Week is us at our worst. But even at our worst, God loves you and me. Because the the amazing thing of the love of God is that it is for us. This morning, as we consider the disciples and we consider ourselves among them, we wave branches knowing we will stray, and Jesus walks on our cloaks knowing we will stray too. After the crucifixion, we'll lock ourselves up into the upper room, leading Thomas to say, are you sure he's risen? Because you're not acting like it. But Jesus died for that too. The importance of this day, the importance of of acknowledging the worst of times is not just to make us feel bad, though it might, but it's to know that in acknowledging that this is us, we can receive also God's love for us. Especially in the worst of times, God loves us. Jesus walks with us through unfathomable unfathomable sacrifice, the unfathomable sacrifice of the cross on Good Friday, and dies for us, showing, especially in the worst of times, God's love redeems and carries us through. We acknowledge that this is us in the worst of times, and God lays a pathway back to Him to bring us to the best of times. The power of seeing ourselves and the disciples today is not just to make us miserable, but it's to open us up to the ways that God leads His disciples back to Him. And that is why and that is how this is us. This morning we celebrate a Savior. This morning we lay down our cloaks and we wave our palms and we welcome our King into this week once again. And it's the best of times. And it should feel like the best of times. But the best of times comes next week when we learn that even after the worst of times is over, God raises again and saves us. Even in our worst of times, God comes back and promises His love to us. And given that we can be at our worst, God finds ways to bring out our best. This morning, this is us 
celebrating with palms. This is us confused in the upper room on Thursday night as Jesus is passing out bread. This is us hidden in the crowd on Friday. This is us. But more than that, we're not defined by that. We are defined beyond our shortcomings as recipients of God's love and salvation and God's grace and God's forgiveness. And that will be us too. So this morning, by every means possible, we welcome the Savior into Jerusalem. In the days ahead, I pray we will make room for Him to enter into our hearts so that we might live anew and live again and might see the ways that we need God to live anew in and through us. And this week, this holy week, as we walk through the best of times and the worst of times, we are a part of it. But thanks be to God that through the love of Jesus there is a way to receive the best of times through our faith, even still this week. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. But God is with us in both. And thanks be to God for that. Will you pray with me? Gracious, eternal, and loving God, we give you thanks on this Palm Sunday morning that just as the crowd grabbed branches off trees and from the fields and laid them down to welcome you in, we too take time to welcome you in. Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. We ask you to come meet us even though we are full of mistakes. And Lord, on this day, we give thanks that just as Peter denied you three times and you turned around and forgave him and asked him to feed your sheep. So too you ask of us. Lord, we make mistakes. We will deny. We will fall short. But as we stick to you in faithfulness, you will bring us back and bring out the best. And so, Lord, we acknowledge our worst so that we might allow you to work in us and bring about our best, acknowledging in both that this is us and acknowledging that as our Savior, Lord, you've come to us as well. Thank you for coming to us. Thank you for receiving us unto yourself. And Lord, walk with us through this holy week so that we might walk with you more faithfully every week. It is in your name we pray these things, O Lord. Amen.